Welcome to the Grit and Grace space. Come along as we explore experiences, cultivate community, and grow our appetite for adventure. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Today we have a solo podcast by uh, yours truly. This is going to be centered around goal planning. And this sort of came about when I was in Connecticut two weeks ago for goal alignment with our team. And after the first night of goal alignment and macro planning, I thought to myself, you know, if we're taking the time to do this for work, I'm going to do goal alignment for myself. I sat down and sort of wrote out some reflection comments from this past year and looking ahead to this coming year as far as what I want to see differently, what I want to keep doing or start doing. And so I wanted to go through this method and my personal example for the audience. I think that it's always easier to retain or understand when somebody talks through a method and then gives an example. So I am going to do that here for you guys today. And hopefully you can apply this to your life. So backing up a little bit, I'll say the first half of being 30 has been a little bit tough. We had a lovely vacation for my 30th birthdays. And then I sort of dipped into some low lows with respect to mental health and work. And the summer has kind of just been really tough and I'm thankful that I'm out of that now and then that sort of ended around the same time school started so thankfully it started the first semester of grad school in a really great headspace but the next element of chaos I'll say was routine where I'm now taking classes six, sometimes nine hours a week at night, and I'm usually a morning person, and so it's been three months now of figuring out how to adjust and maintain some resemblance of a routine and stay active, but also, again, give myself grace when I needed to rest or to reevaluate. We just, I won't say just, at the beginning of October, we finished midterms, and the week after that was sort of just like a mental hangover in a sense of you just sort of grind for a whole week getting through midterms, and then you turn around and school is still going, and the assignments are still ever-present, and so it's just tough to get that momentum back up. So for me, the beginning of November almost feels like a fresh start. I have a sense of calm and clarity. I've rearranged some budgeting items and I'm coming off an awesome vacation. Alexander and I went to Sedona at the beginning of this week for a friend's wedding that was actually in Scottsdale, but the wedding was really lovely and so wonderful to see um, our friends who are getting married and then 
we used that time in this event to have our hiking trip, the hiking trip that we do every year for our anniversary. So we drove a little bit further north to Sedona after the wedding and went hiking. And then at first, at first I was not necessarily looking forward to Sedona because there wasn't a lot of, a lot of really challenging hikes compared to Aspen, where we went two years ago. Last year, we went on a 21-mile hike straight through the day without camping or anything. And then, of course, we went to Yosemite and Zion. I think those are the, the four other places that we've gone. So Sedona was a little bit different, but I think by the time we got there with being where we were with school and work, it was a really lovely, relaxing, actually, vacation instead of working hard to hike with still tons of just fabulous views. And I would recommend Sedona to anyone, especially if you have kids or if you want to bring your dog. There were tons of dog-friendly hikes and the like top 10 best hikes or whatever are no more than maybe like 500 or 700 feet of elevation gain over maybe a few miles. So intensity is really low. The views are really awesome. And you may or may not experience the vortexes. There's tons of information if you want to read up on it. But I will say that Alexander and I both felt the little tingles from the vortex on one of our hikes, and that was pretty cool, too. So going back a little bit to the beginning of this week, during vacation from Saturday through Tuesday, I took a little bit of a break from caffeine. (laughs) Yes, I was immensely tired as a result, and I took naps, and I also took Advil. I definitely needed to do that considering how much caffeine I was consuming beforehand and just how little energy I had, regardless of how much caffeine I was consuming. So there wasn't necessarily any profound realizations. I knew I was abusing caffeine and I wanted to come back from vacation refreshed and effective. So this vacation was just enough time to relax, but not necessarily enough time to miss home. Of course, I missed disco every second I was away, which was a whole 10 days for me because I was in Connecticut the week before vacation and Alexander took her to the house that boarded disco. And so I didn't get to see her until... We picked her up after vacation, so I definitely missed disco, but I didn't miss being at home and working and being in that routine. So I mentioned the goal planning the week before vacation, and that week was, although wonderful and really exciting, it's also mentally and emotionally exhausting where you're thinking you know, critical thinking and big thoughts and preparing for the next year at work and also taking into consideration what didn't get done and what did get done the week, the year prior. 
you're doing this as an individual, but you're also doing this with a big group of people. So lots of patience to be an active listener and receive feedback and document accurately and also collaborate with these individuals. So it's just a big week. I'm now excited to be home and sleep in my own bed, which, goodness gracious, we have a great setup, I think, because hotel beds are fine and Airbnb beds are fine, but there's nothing like sleeping in your own bed with your own sheets. It's just a dream. So shout out to Brooklinen. Please sponsor me. We have Brooklyn and Sheets, and although they are pricey, I would say they are 10,000% worth it. They are so soft and so luxurious, and they've held up really well. We've had, I think, the two pairs that we've had for maybe a year now, which isn't a long time in the grand scheme of things, but they are super fresh. So that is where we are today, and we'll go ahead and get into goal alignment. So at a high level, goal alignment and goal planning, you have some pre-work to do before you can get into looking ahead. You have to look back at where you've been to have a good foundation to set you up for where you're going, where you want to go next. And so we'll walk through that process of the after action review and what big themes or groups to categorize your thoughts in and then how you define key activities to achieve your desired end state. And so Please take all of this with a grain of salt, like keep what you love and throw away what you don't love. And even if you don't go through this exercise, it's an interesting way to think about categorizing your thoughts. So with it being November, the year is basically over. Not to give up on the last two months, but this could be the right time to look ahead to the next year. I'll talk through what this looked like for me. I feel like it's fairly personal, but hopefully it's a helpful application of the concept if you want to uh, try yourself. So before I go on, it would be inauthentic if I didn't share that I hate New Year's resolutions. And that might be too strong of a word, but personally, I don't feel like the year begins until March or April when the leaves pop up on the trees. So it's not even necessarily a specific date. It's when that green starts to come out of the woodworks, no pun intended, that I feel like the new year is beginning. So in that context, I am looking at goal alignment as three things. Number one, sort of a pseudo check-in on how the year is going prior to the craziness of the holidays. Number two, an option to pivot and carry a fresh momentum through the end of the calendar year and into the next year. And number three, 
if you are a New Year's resolution person or just somebody who likes goal planning in general, A, there's no time like the present for a fresh restart. I feel like every new moon or full moon or if the first of the month lines up on a Sunday or a random Wednesday, I'm like, let's start over. But (laughs) that's just me. B, this gives you a little more time to think about what you want the next year to look like and allow some time to adjust. So think of October goal alignment as either a mid-year check-in or a dry run for the next year. I'm going to be really detailed and this might get a little boring and might not apply to how you best operate. So again, take what you like, leave what you don't. And if you need to speed this up, I know I'm probably speaking sort of slow, um, go ahead and uh, set your speed to one and a half or two X speed. Before we begin, I'm again going to be super detailed and I'm going to start with how I actually do this like physically. So I use a very specific journal and always write in pencil. For my journal, a pen feels a little bit too sharp and angry for a journal, and that sounds super silly. I use a pen exclusively at work, but I love the feeling of my pencil gliding across this journal paper. I'll link the journal that I use in the description. And again, it's always the same brand. I use the dotted journal versus like lines or blank paper. And I'll change the color of the binding for whatever I feel like whenever it's time to buy a new journal. The pencil that I use is a 7mm pencil. I would prefer a 0.5mm pencil and maybe I'll try that. But this 0.7 lead holds up pretty sturdy for my high pressure handwriting I feel like. It's like the equivalent of when somebody is angry typing on their keyboard. That's, I think, how I feel like when I write. It's just like super intense, like white knuckle writing sometimes. So I began with a blank page and started with writing a little letter to myself. And I'll actually read you the letter that I wrote. So I did this back on October 24th, again, like after that goal alignment. And having walked through the notes that I prepared for this podcast, there's probably a little bit more work that I need to do on my own goal alignment, whether that's just rewriting or making it a little bit more like visually appealing. I might go back and play around with that. But anyway, begin with writing a letter to yourself and follow that with some affirmations. So I will read you what I said. I will make the adjustment today. I am in control of my actions. I have the ability and power to do what's best for me. I am taking back the narrative and life no longer happens to me. I happen to it. I don't have to be perfect, but I must be something. Lately, I've just been surviving Time to take back the reins and thrive. I am worth it. I will not live in fear. And then under that, my affirmations were, I will define a routine and stick with it for at least one week. Then I will build up to a month. 
starting in January. Week over week, I will make a plan and I, sorry, week over week, I make a plan and I go do. What can I do now? And then for the time being, I wrote out some actions for the rest of that week specifically. So they're mostly around school activities and training and just things I had the rest of that week. It's also important to note that I was in a very inspired headspace when I wrote this out. I encourage a walk with a motivational speech or watch your favorite inspirational movie to set the mood. You want this to be something that's fun. You don't want it to be you don't want to be goal planning begrudgingly, right? Because that sort of sucks the joy out of it. So I think it's very important to do this in the right headspace. That headspace being positive and exciting and full of hope as best as you can get. After I wrote out my letter to myself and some affirmations, I wrote out what a perfect and sustainable week would be for me. I did this for two reasons. Number one, for me, structure and routine is important and it has in the past been lackluster. I think I talked about that a little bit earlier with how this semester has been with school. Number two, having this to compare against when I begin my after action review, I thought would be helpful. So what I think might be a sustainable week might not actually be sustainable after I go through this activity of goal planning and I want to see how close my first pass was. Writing out what this first pass of a perfect week looked like for me also helped establish what my big buckets were outside of work. For me that was school and studying training, running, and yoga, and quality time or rest, and then health as well. I'll go into detail later on where these come into play. For you, it might be kids' sports or home management or hobbies, social events, travel, family, whatever comes to mind. Again, this doesn't have to be perfect, but it will be directionally correct and it'll get the juices flowing for the next steps. So for me, my ideal week on Mondays, the big buckets are training, so like lifting weights, working, school. Tuesday looks like work. Because school ends later, I'm not able to wake up early and train on the following day. So I start work and then on Tuesday I want to get a run in between work and school and then um, and then I'm studying on Tuesday afternoons. Wednesday I train in the mornings and then work and then I have a team meeting before school and then we have our lecture that evening. Thursday looks a little bit like Tuesday, I work and then run 
and then we have class that evening. Friday for me is a rest day, like an intentional fun day. So after work, I specifically wrote down rest and then wrote down fetch, which is a dog park that we like to take discos to sometimes, slash a date night. Saturday, I have yoga or a long run, and then podcasting, resting, and then schoolwork. Finally, on Sunday, I have a meeting for school. Again, I meet with my team and we talk through various assignments or group projects that we have. And then I go to church after that. After church, I would do my training and then like prep meals for the week and do some schoolwork after that. So again, first pass at this, keep the groups as high level as possible. What is your general routine and bucketize your days? And it's important to write out all seven days because while Monday through Friday might look very similar, you if you skip Saturday and Sunday, you're giving up like, what is that, 12% of your week? No, more than that. If you skip Saturdays and Sundays, you're giving up like 30% of your week. And so that's 30% of time that could just be more intentional, more structured, and enable you to accomplish some things that if you leave out Saturday and Sunday, you know, that's just less time to to make the magic happen. So next, I listed out ideal outcomes for my big buckets in 2024. So again, my buckets are school, training, quality time, and health. These are not necessarily realistic, but I encourage you to dream big. And for me, my desired outcomes for school looks like flawless execution in school. For training, I'm looking to build a better body composition. For resting, I want to have more physical energy. For work, I, success looks like being promoted with sponsors for my five to seven year plan. So not only having a promotion in 2024, but also having a five to seven year plan set up and having sponsors or mentors surrounding me that are encouraging and supportive of this five to seven year plan. And podcasts was my last bucket that I briefly talked about when my with my perfect week but it's not part of the big buckets I guess it would be under quality time or play but number five for me was weekly podcast and so that would be ideal outcomes for 2024 so now we get on to the gritty part you're going to complete an after action review if you haven't heard of this term before, an after-action review is a tool that was developed by the Army in the 1970s to help soldiers learn from their mistakes and accomplishments. It's critical to destigmatize this. It At first, it seems like this is something that you do when things go wrong, 
an after action review of what the heck happened and how do we make sure that never happens again. While that is one application of an after action review, it is also a tool to use for continuous learning and improvement and really getting to the root cause of why something maybe did go well so that you can take those learnings and capitalize off of them. Traditionally, an after action review is four segments what was supposed to happen, what actually happened, what went well or how do you sustain that, or what did not go well and how do you improve that. I took a little bit of a different approach. I think if you are more rigid or are measuring your goals over shorter sprints, this traditional after action review structure is more applicable and regardless, it's tremendously helpful. In my case, this goal alignment is a little more balanced between a review of what has happened and forward-looking of what will happen. And so I adjusted what I did to be more helpful for forecasting since this is goal alignment and goal planning. And so... My questions were, what went well? And this is whatever comes to mind. You don't have to go meticulously through the last 12 months and, you know, rack your brain for things. It's, again, what are the first things that come to mind? Those are going to be, you know, the big things that you want to consider. Those are probably also big themes in your life. So don't stress out too much about it. Next what did not go well. So again, you're not, you know, shaking your finger at yourself and looking back at the things that did not go well, but you are taking into consideration, hey, what is something that maybe wasn't so great? Let's make sure we consider that when we're looking ahead to the next year. I mix a little bit of Lean Six Sigma concepts with my after action review. And so the result is a more self-aware, continuous improvement plan. So next, you would look at the root causes of both what did go well and what did not go well. Typically, there are tools to address root cause. The root cause of a failure mode, you see this in manufacturing specifically, uh, but kind, this concept can be applied anywhere. You can do a 5Y analysis, you know, whatever the failure mode was, like I was always late to events and ask yourself why five times, like why was I late to this event? Maybe it's because I didn't start getting ready on time. Well, why did I not start getting ready on time? Well, maybe I was distracted or not paying attention to the clock. Well, why was I not paying attention to the clock? And you ask yourself why five times to really get to the root cause of what a failure mode might be or something that went well. Like, how do I capture all of the little increments that set me up for something going well so that I can do them again? Another way to do a root cause is something that's called like a fishbone diagram and you're looking at all of the different elements of whatever that failure mode was or whatever that accomplishment was and then the different 
items or events or whatever it might be that correspond to those big groups. So if we stick with the, I was late for a social event example, the categories might be picking out an outfit. The categories might be paying attention to the time. The categories might be time management in general. And then you would have sub items like flowing off of those categories to really pinpoint where where you need to improve. Anyway, I digress. You can write these out depending on how aware you might be of a common pitfall or not. It could be helpful to deep dive into the things that went well and not well to understand to understand what comes next. So before we move on to the next part, I'll walk through what I wrote down for my reflection on what went well and what did not go well. So for things that went well, Disco has been trained and we've done a fairly good job of managing her energy and managing life with a dog. The second thing was growing closer with Alexander and some of our best friends. The third thing was moving away from tracking macros. I'll probably talk about this on another podcast later on down the line, but after college ended, up until really like April or May timeframe this year, so like a solid seven years, (laughs) I've had a really challenging time with body image and binging and my relationship with food and my relationship with myself. And so I think I mentioned before I worked with a coach for a little bit over a year and she truly changed my life in terms of how my relationship with those things has improved. And so the tangible takeaway here is that I'm no longer tracking my macros. I'm maintaining like a fairly stable body composition and I have way less um I have way less like intrusive thoughts about my body or guilt or food in general and my next thing was of course I have now a healthier relationship with food and with what my body looks like The last thing that went well was I ran a 10K, and so that wasn't necessarily something that was on the books. It was a little bit more sporadic of a decision, but I started running, made a plan, executed the plan, and I'm pretty proud of that. So moving on to what did not go well. When school started, I had a loss of routine. I had really poor energy management and too many instances of depletion without filling up my cup. So an example of that is when I I did the Y mental health retreat. That's something that was reactive and not necessarily proactive. And it was a result of being depleted and just having to stop and quit everything. So I want to be better at that. Something that goes in the did not go well bucket. 
I also lowered the bar for training out of desperation and exhaustion. So I haven't necessarily been able to train as hard or as frequently or as much as I would like to. I really enjoy working out. I enjoy lifting weights. I enjoy just the time, my me time in the gym. And that's been pretty limited and also not very organized with school starting. So I would like to course correct there. I had poor planning around healthy meals. Again, this is really more related to when school started that just all planning went out the window. (laughs) And you'll see that theme for me uh, quite a few times when I talk through the example of how I did this. So anyway, that'll probably come up, but that's that's sort of the the whys because I feel like crazy in the brain without having a more structured routine, which I know that I need to thrive. The last thing for what did not go well was a little bit of overspending with fun money. I found myself at the end of the month having to cover some budget overspending with emergency fund and that is a huge no-no and it wasn't like thousands of dollars but it was enough month over month that you know really pointed out to me that I'm not paying attention and being diligent with my money and being responsible the way that I need to be in the way that I know I can be so backing up we've gone through what does your perfect week look like? That tells you what your big buckets are. Then you talk about for those big buckets, what are your desired outcomes for these big buckets in the next year or the next six months or however long you want this goal planning to be for. And then you complete your reflection on this past year, what did go well, what did not go well, and um, if you need to take that next step forward If you need to take that next step of writing out what the root causes were for what went well and what did not go well, that is an element that would be in this reflection section as well. So the next part of this after action review is taking the root causes of what went well and what did not go well and identify what you want to continue and what you want to address. So for me, I want to continue the intentionality that I had around building and strengthening relationships. I want to continue planning and executing to some of my running goals that I have, and I want to continue the dedication that we've established with training and paying attention and being a dog mom with uh, Disco. Three things that I want to address. Number one, overall energy management. Number two, plan execution. And number three, financial discipline on spending, especially with the amount we'll have to pay out of pocket for grad school, the amount that like our company does cover a fair amount, but Emory is kind of pricey. So... 2024, there's quite a bit that's going to come out of pocket um, that our company does not cover. So not only financial discipline around fund money, but financial discipline around, you know, readjusting what we're saving so that we're, we don't get into trouble. 
when the bills come due. Okay, so now go for a walk. Go get some water. Take a five-minute walk, no longer than 10 minutes, and do not get on your phone. So just marinate in the work that you've done so far. Some of these things might be really hard to admit to yourself, uh, much less put on paper. So take a moment to just sit and breathe and reflect. I'll mention a short story. So Alexander, a few weeks ago, mentioned how I am a goal setter and that's probably part of how I got to where I am today and he's going on about this and I felt so guilty because not only had I fallen severely short of some goals that I had set, I wasn't holding myself accountable in general. Now, part of this was being overloaded, but if you had asked, are you doing everything you can do to be your best? My honest answer would be no. I think some of this was because I was so exhausted and so sort of scatterbrained with a loss of routine, but there is also some, you know, deterioration in my grit, I'll say. Speaking of grit, we go from the grit of reflecting on what went well, what did not go well in the root cause, and what you're going to continue doing or stop doing, and we go to grittier. And I promise the grace part is coming, but the next step is what will you do to address the root cause? So to recap, because it's hard to lose, it's hard to lose track of of all of the steps here. Number one, you start with a motivational or a love letter to yourself. Number two, you write out some affirmations, two to five statements using I am or I will. Number three, you write out your perfect week at a high level to see what your big buckets are. That's all seven days. Do not skimp here. Number four, your desired outcome for your big buckets. What you would like to see for these big buckets this time next year or again a shorter duration if that makes sense to you number five what went well and what did not go well and the root cause of those things and number six what will i continue to do or what will i address and then you'll take a short break and so now that you're back you're all refreshed you feel confident about what you wrote down you're going to address the root causes. So again, keep this at a high level. Think about these as mindset shifts or key themes to carry into your goal alignment. The pre-work here of all of this reflection outweighs the time spent on the actual goal alignment but putting the effort in here makes the goal alignment piece go so quickly. And it's also it's also tough to be, again, prescriptive and confident about where you're going if you don't know who you are or where you've been. And you can cue the Backstreet Boys song here. I don't care who you are, where you're from. 
what you did as long as you loved me. And now your ears are thoroughly bleeding and I will never sing for you again. So I'm sorry and you're welcome. I think there's a lot going on in my mind in addition to what I wrote down. And this might not be super clear for the audience, but again, hopefully this is a demonstration and example of applying the method. I'm also certain that if I do this again in one month, three months, or six months, it will look different, and that's okay. Even if you wanted to practice and come back and go through this again in two weeks, your second revision will be just as perfect as the first one, and you'll be even more refined for what you want to carry with you into the next segment of time. The objective here is a few things. To take a look at where you are today and what brought you here, both the good and the not so good. For me, this helps zoom out a bit and number one, take credit for the good things, but number two, highlight pivot points. Number two, this helps with goal setting, but more importantly, showing you how you can actually achieve your goals and point out where you might be overloading or you might have unrealistic goals. And it's better to prepare and know and see now what might be unrealistic than to blindly miss your goals, miss the mark, and end up in a clueless self-defeat that sends you spiraling and soul-searching. So as you can tell, yes, I've been there. And (laughs) going through goal setting a little differently, even if the goals are a little bit less exciting or a little bit less far-reaching, they are achievable and um, feels good when you achieve your goals versus blindly missing your goals and not knowing what the heck happened and feeling like a failure. So number three, at least for me, this is a grounding exercise. It forces me to take a look at reality despite my feelings about the reality. It also is a way for me to hold myself accountable. I look back periodically to see if these root causes have actually been addressed If there's something new tripping me up, most often it's encouraging to look back and actually see how far things have come from an emotional maturity standpoint. And furthermore, an actual goal completion standpoint. So there's been countless times that I've looked back through old journals just for the kicks and see like what you're thinking back in time. And it's it's sweet to see. It's also encouraging to see the growth. And, and it's also mildly entertaining. I digress. So what happens after documenting what you will do to, to address the root cause? You know what you're going to keep doing, stop doing, start doing. You're going to write another letter to yourself. Before I read you the letter that I wrote to myself, the second letter, I'll go through what I wrote down as far as how I'm going to address the root causes of the things that I identified. So number one, I'm going to plan mental health days and vacation days. 
I'm going to create some structure around spending discipline, meaning I'll make a list of what I want. I'll use delayed purchase method. Like if I think I want something and then wait, you know, 5, 10, 15 days and come back to it, sometimes it's not something I still want to use my money for. I'll forecast bigger purchases, like over $150, hold hold things in the shopping cart, and rebudget some of the recurring items that I've been spending money on so that I'm capturing them accurately and really understanding how much those are adding up to be. I'm also going to implement weekly check-ins and planning. And so that's going to be a more frequent reflection on training, planned versus actual, school, meals, meaning I'll do, I'll be more intentional about planning meals out for the week, making the meals, and then, of course, you know, eating what I make, journaling and meditation, and going back to being a little bit more quantitative. So along with moving away from tracking macros, I moved away from, I think, some places where traditionally have been more, had more rigor and structure. And so building a little bit, a little bit of that back in is healthy and not compulsive or not obsessive. Okay. So again, now you're going to write another letter to yourself. It's going to say, it's the end of 2024 and XYZ has happened and this is how it's happened. This is what I did to make it happen. For me, that looked like, for me, that looked like this. It's the end of 2024. I've been promoted. I do not feel burned out. I have a great balance between work and school and the podcast and family. I am athletic. I feel lean, powerful, and energized. I am at the top of my class. I have 20000 saved for a rainy day, and this is how I got there. I did weekly check-ins and weekly planning. I did monthly look-aheads and after-action reviews for school, mental health, physical health, and worth. Sorry, and work. <laughs> what went well? What what did not go well? What do I want to continue? What do I want to address? So, going through this exercise at a more micro level, more frequently. Continuing on how I got here, I planned vacation and personal time, so that at minimum I have three to five days of rest per quarter. I've executed on my plans. I set stretch goals to test my progress or measure my progress and to exploit gaps. So while we talk a lot about creating sustainability, I think it's still really beneficial to set some goals that are a little bit outside your reach because two things happen. Either one, you meet the goal and you think, oh, wow, I... I'm surprised that I could do that. Maybe I can set even more challenging goals. Or number two, you identify what gaps you have and help, you know, exploit some things that 
maybe you didn't realize you were falling short on. So anyway, you have written your letter to yourself, your second letter to yourself, again, on what you've done and how it happened, you know, writing as if it's the end of 24 already and these things have already come to fruition. And finally, the moment we've been waiting for, the actual goal alignment portion. (laughs) So there are a few ways to do this. I will explain what they are and show you my first pass. And again, after talking through this with you guys, I think I want to go through and make a second pass at this. Again, there's no wrong way to do this. Moreover, even if you go through the exercise and never look back, there's still value in the reflection and subconscious future state vision that you will carry with you. When you write out a second letter to yourself, the XYZ that has happened, those are your goals. Whether it's more concrete like a wedding or a baby or something that you know is already in the works or whether it's less concrete like a promotion or something that's a little bit more uncertain again think big the how in your letter is an overview of the actions you took to get there there's two methods to get more discreet on what these actions are the first method is Think of like a big table layout. You're going to have one column that is the category. So those big categories that we talked about a while back. And then you're going to have, think like cell A2 is going to be time. And the like A2, B2, C2, D2, you know, going to the left is going to be your months or your weeks, however you want to do it. And then in the columns next to each category, you're going to have what your goal is or a sub-step, a sub-step, and then a goal or a sub-step, a goal, and then maintenance of that goal. And so you're going to write across time what's going to happen for each of the categories you identified. Now, this is a very meticulous method and it could be overwhelming. The second option is to take the big goals, put them on the calendar as far as when you think you might want to achieve them, and then the month prior or eight weeks set up action steps to achieve that goal and then sub-steps and sub-steps by week maybe or even day by day map out the time you will dedicate to these goals. I recommend starting with one to two months at a time so that you can go into the necessary detail and then use your weekly or monthly check-ins to iterate and update as necessary. I use this when planning tactical goals like running races or saving money or things that are more binary, either it happened or it didn't. So here's how I approach goal alignment. I have high-level things that need to happen each week. That's training, one-on-ones, studying, meal planning. I have a high-level calendar look ahead by quarter. So vacation, known obligations or events, what resources, time, and money is available for these things. 
so that's for me school time or vacation time or personal time and then you know looking at my budget for what resources do what resources do I have available and then a discrete hour by hour perfect week considering the exercise so my personal next step would be to add goals into my high level calendar and add questions to track task completion, or quantify progress at check-ins. There's a time for rigor and a time for free flow. Walking through myself, the amount of rigidity this builds feels a little bit overwhelming, and that's why it's critical to be, number one, realistic, so that your plan is sustainable. And number two, have frequent check-ins to pivot without feeling discouraged or overwhelmed or, or like you failed at something. So I'll go through the example of what this last step looked like for me. And then we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up the podcast. So quarterly, I know I have a bachelorette trip coming up in the first quarter and I want to set aside some personal time in February for some mental health, just making sure I fill up my cup proactively. In the second quarter, I know I'm going to a wedding. I know I have a big school trip, international school trip that we're going on and we want to tag on some vacation after that. In the third quarter, I want to, again, plan some proactive personal time and also fit in an anniversary trip, our hiking trip that we go on. In the fourth quarter, that's going to be when the holidays comes up, and I know that if next fall is anything like this fall, I'll definitely need some personal time to probably dedicate to school, but also I'd like to just be able to breathe and and take a second. (laughs) So that's what my quarters look like. And then Monday through Friday, or sorry, Monday through Sunday, I wrote out hour by hour what my day would look like. And so at the beginning, we went through going through your day and making, sorry, going through your week and making a perfect schedule at a high level and so here you'll go through that again but it'll be way more detailed and you'll be able to um, look back at it and find exact times where you're going to do the things you said you're going to do essentially. So I'll just walk through for example my Monday. I won't go through all seven days but I'll go through my Monday and hopefully that'll be a good example. So Monday 4.30 a.m. to 8 o'clock a.m., I will go to the gym and then get ready for work. From 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., I will have my first block of work, and then I will take lunch from 12 to 12.45, and from 12.45 to 5 p.m., I will work. And I will end work specifically at 5 so that I can switch gears into school mode. From 5 o'clock to 6.30, it'll all have a little bit of downtime, whether that's cleaning the house or making dinner or taking disco for a walk. I'll have a little bit of downtime. From 6.30 to 7.30, I will study, and that's 
my first hour of the 10 hours that I want to build into my schedule for study time. And then from 7.30 to 8, I'll take a little break. And then from 8 o'clock to 10 p.m., I will have the lecture from 10 to 10.30, wind down, get ready for bed, lights out by 10.30. And so that'll give me until 6.45 Tuesday morning to get ready for work. And so I went through in that level of detail what I would want a perfect week to look like and making sure that I'm building in study time and rest time and meal prep time and realistic tasks like when am I going to clean the house? Like let's build this into this schedule so that I make sure that whether this all goes to plan or like none of it goes to plan, I have a good understanding of the potential for my time. I will end things there and I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this was encouraging and let me know if you try it out. Maybe we'll do another solo episode in like March or so to see how things are going. Yes, we'll do another solo episode on goal alignment in March when the leaves on the tree turn green and the new year really begins. So thank you for tuning in to another week of the Grit and Grace Space. And that's the pod.